Lord our God, I will confess that I never would have chosen this passage. This is part of our lectionary, and we believe that you are in all things. So please give us your Holy Spirit so that we can interpret this in the light of Christ. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable to you. For you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. The crowd was um, dense and chaotic. We begin this passage in Mark 3, 20 through 30 with um, chaos. They weren't listening to God, but here's the thing that you have to know. They were not listening to God, but they wanted to listen to God. Or they wouldn't have gone after Jesus. They were so intent on getting to Jesus that Jesus and his disciples could not move in this crowded house. They could not eat. They were overwhelmed. And then when his, Jesus' family heard about this, which is a rare insight about the family life of Jesus, which we really do not hear much about, the family says, we want to take charge of him. He's out of his mind. That's what Jesus' relatives said about him. And the teachers of the law, the perceived God experts, said about Jesus, he is possessed by Beelzebub, which means in Aramaic, Lord of the Flies. By the prince of demons, even though he is driving out demons, and Jesus addressed them all, how can Satan drive out Satan, he asks them. How could they get so off track that they confuse the power of God for evil? What misperception. It was outrageous. And what had been happening before this scene is that whenever evil spirits connected with Jesus, whenever there was a connection, they fell down before Jesus and cried out, You are the Son of God. And as Jesus moved through time and space on his time at earth, when he was on earth, the prince of darkness was greatly disturbed. And the status quo was greatly disturbed. And long-held ideas about God were greatly disturbed. Jesus' presence brings disturbance in the field. And the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, hated change, even good change. He had just healed a man with a shriveled hand, but he healed on the Sabbath and he broke religious law. And that and other miracles, and of course the driving out of demons, caused the Pharisees to begin to plot to kill him. And they attributed the holy movement of God in the person of Christ to Satan. How can Satan drive out Satan, Jesus asked. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And this is disturbing because it states that Satan really does have a realm and Satan really does have a sphere of influence 
a house divided cannot stand, and if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he brings about his own demise. Modern followers of Christ tend to not give much or any lip service to Satan. Who wants to? And this account does substantiate that Satan lives and uses certain elements in our human condition, elements sometimes that we can't even help to flourish. Confusion and misperception about God and God's purposes. When there is confusion in any part of our being, we are at risk of misunderstanding what God is all about. The things that are addressed in this passage is what I want to address today. This is not an all-inclusive discussion about evil, but let's look at what's before us on this page. Self-righteousness, where the individual believes, and in this case that is the Pharisees, that their way is not only the right way, but the only way. That the rules and regulations and laws are in and of themselves God. Satan used self-righteousness and lack of humility and lack of God awareness to undo us. And Satan flourishes under the cover of chaos and confusion and exhaustion and hunger. All kinds of hunger. And these things cloud perception to the point that when we hear the mandate from Scripture to be still and know that I am God, that that almost seems like a cruel invitation because for some reason it seems almost impossible in our own life. It takes an overwhelming amount of effort to still the chaos within. And we have very little control about the chaos without. When inner chaos reigns, we are fragmented and we cannot access his peace. But before we become filled with dread, know that this the very thing I'm describing is the human condition. We all think that we are absolutely right about something. There's not one person in this room who doesn't have some area where they're a little bit self-righteous. That's what we do. And most people do not avoid stress and getting overwhelmed. The worst thing I could say to you right now is that there are these people walking around who are 100% peaceful and in constant connection to God. I can't say that because that's a lie. Take heart in this. Everyone among us who knows that worship is essential, whose spirits and souls crave God, and wants to worship Christ, opposes Satan. This is our safe place. And when I mean safe place, I mean safe place. In giving us this next interesting image, Jesus lets us know that Satan, the strong man as he called him, can be bound and his stuff can be carried away. 
No one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first binds up the strong man. Satan has no power, no power to overthrow Christ. Satan in no way represents another God, not even with a small g. We have no dualism. We have no double deities. God is God. Thank you, God. And nothing has any power over God and his son, Jesus Christ. Nothing. Satan gains power over human beings whose perception, whose God is so muddled that they miss the point. Here's the point. Christ came to extend a saving love that offers freedom and grace and healing, deep and profound, lifelong healing, and through his Holy Spirit, power to be God's people in a fragmented, hurting, dividing world. We have prophecy today. There are churches, communities that exhibit the gift of prophecy, much different than the Old Testament prophets who had condemnation and warnings and said, you better do this or you're cooked. Prophets today, and I've been in churches where the prophecies have been uttered, have basically the same message, which is, you are my beloved children and fear not. You are my beloved children and fear not. And I often think when I've heard these prophecies, can't they get a little more specific or a little more interesting? What, you're my beloved children and fear not, but that is exactly, exactly the message that we need. So the next two verses give relief and possibly dread. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, all the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. That is good news. Those in touch with the Holy Spirit we know how vast and deep our separation from God can sometimes be. It's an act of the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin. And if you feel convicted of your sin, rejoice and be glad because the Holy Spirit is at work. When we need to confess or we feel we will burst, and when we say to God one way or another, I am off track, I have lost my way because I have lost your way. I accidentally attended church during the decade or so when I decided I didn't believe in organized religion. <laughs> I went to Sunday brunch with some people who dragged me to church first. And when I got to the church, I said, I will just endure this until it's over. And it was an evangelical free church, and I will always love this little denomination because of how it blessed me. So the preacher began to sing in the middle of the sermon. And be glad that this preacher doesn't do this. <laughs> and this is what he's saying. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And that went through the wall of my heart like an arrow. How desperately I had missed him. But I thought I had gone too far in the other direction. And LaRue Lindquist, that was the name of the pastor I'll never forget, took my doubts and my cynicism and crushed them. I didn't believe in emotional sappiness 
And God, in his wisdom, used what I thought that I hated. And as long as we need him, as long as we know that some part of us needs him, as long as there is a crack in the veneer, in the wall erected to protect against fear of losing the world as we know it, then this next verse holds no dread whatsoever that whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. Because never forgiven means that we do not acknowledge a need for God and is guilty of eternal sin because people who do not believe in sin are the ones that this applies to. Or they don't believe that sin is forgivable. Here's the good news, and this is such good news. For some reason, beyond us, because of people in situations we can only dream of, we're actually here. We actually want to worship God. We actually want the Holy Spirit. And we seek the unity that can never be destroyed, which is unity in Christ. This is our safe place. And our place is at this table. Let us pray. We're here, dear Lord. Take us and use us and teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. 